over. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Father's Day to the fathers. Let's give God a big up for the fathers. Will all the fathers stand up very, very quickly? If you, if you somebody's pops, stand on up. Stand on up. Stand on up. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Amen for the men that don't uh, deny their paternity. Amen. 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 Um, it's, it's a good thing to be claimed. But how many of you know God is the blessed claimer of children in the universe? How many of y'all know that? Oh, y'all should have got real happy about that. The Bible calls everybody that doesn't know Jesus as illegitimate. And so Christ is God's way of redesigning our DNA to be after his heart. And so uh, we thank the Lord ultimately that he is the Father and he finds us through the gospel because of our lostness and brings us from spiritual death to spiritual life. And so we thank God uh, greatly for his great mercy and his love and kindness that knows no end. Uh, we had a great time yesterday as the men. Uh, we uh, did some stuff on uh, being a spiritual leader. Um, I'll talk a little bit about that in the message. Thankful for that. And I'm thankful for those who came out to our meeting on Wednesday night. Um, those of you who are members who came, keep um, those things lifted up in prayer and treasure them in your heart like Mary, uh, please, for us uh, in Jesus' mighty name. Um, this will be my last Sunday in the pulpit until September. And so I will be out until September taking a, uh, a commanded hiatus by the elders of the church here. Uh, y'all saying amen, huh? Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I, 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 amen. Yeah, y'all ready to get rid of me already? No, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. No, but it's all good. I'm, I'm excited about the opportunity. My wife and I, as I told you guys, for one of the weeks, I'm really excited about it because um, my wife and I get to uh, spend some time with some other couples, and we're going to be uh, mentored for a week uh, by a couple that's been married 45 years, something like that, and just spend a week just, just, just no kids and being ferociously engaged and everything. So pray for our time. Uh, pr we praise in God that now we can get sleep because um, our, our youngest has finally decided she's going to sleep through the night. All the rest of them slept. Yeah, yeah, amen. That, that's a praise. You know, I, I don't know what happened. Everybody else slept one month. They was asleep. We was good. This one decided, I'm going to wait till I'm almost one. And so, you know, we was like, okay. So we're going, I don't know if you can catch up on sleep, but I'm going to try to do that. And so, again, we, we, we are, we're thankful for that. Don't forget to be thinking about everything that's going on this fall. Um, with our 10-year anniversary, so I'll be back, and getting back, we're going to be pulling in the swing of that to be able to celebrate 10 years together as a church, and um, Wednesday night, we'll have Plaster Blake Wilson that week before, and, and then um, um, on, uh, I, th I think Thursday is Matt Chandler, I think Friday is Charlie Dates, and then Sunday is uh, the right Reverend Dr. Crawford Loritz, so we're going to have a good old time, fellas, put on a suit. Uh, or something. You, you may not have to, uh, can afford a tux, find a jacket somewhere, go to, go on the sales rack, but don't come in there uh, with polo shirt and butter Tim's on. That is not going to work, all right? And so I want us to go in there, and um, some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Butter Tim's are the beige-looking Tim's <laughs> that suede, um, yeah, the brown little top, my bad. And so, uh, and so yeah, so we, we want to have a good time with that, so I'm excited about all that. And then 
Uh, we're going to be talking about contending for the faith this year in October. It's going to be nuts. And so you do not want to miss us being down at the convention center equipping the body cross-ethnically, cross-generation, uh, cross-gender. Uh, and it's going to be crazy. Men and women who are going to be speaking and ministering during that time. It's going to be an amazing time. You don't want to miss it. So meet us down there and start registering because early bird, we, not, we don't give a, a special epiphany discount. You just get in the early bird registration. Register in Jesus' mighty name, all right? And so just know that I told you that. And so register and don't let the, the banquet and the registration collide. Save up, put your money down, and let's go. Let's stand to our feet. Let's dig into this text. Today we'll be in 1 Corinthians chapter thir- uh, 16, verses 13 and 14. Uh, for today, we'll step away from our series in 2 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. Uh, on three, let's go. One, two, three, go. Be Amen, amen, amen. In this brief time that we have together today, I want to tag our text, act like men. That's simply that, just act like men. Let's go before the Lord, amen. Thank you, Father, for this time. It's wonderful uh, to hear the exuberance of the flock about your word. God, I pray that you would help the word to continue to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Speak to us now, O God, we pray. Help the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in uh, your sight, oh God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust and help us to be not just hearers of the word, uh, but help us to be effectual doers, nurture us, change us, focus us, and centralize us on yourself. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Um, in every single generation, uh, there is some type of identity crisis that goes on, um, whether it's uh, post-industrial uh, revolution, post-construction, post-civil uh, 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 post rights movement, post-black power, post-hippie, whatever generation uh, goes uh, through, they go through um, uh, different changes and identity crises. Uh, and one of the things that we see is that in the past, we've seen years in which different sectors of the population have gone through these different crises of identity, crises of gender specificity or, or, or transgender dispositions. However, in this society now, there is an innovation of exploration. Right now, simultaneously, there is a multiplicity of identity crises that are going on uh, that we need to be aware of and need to be engaging in. One of the things that's always under attack, if the enemy wants to challenge and change a society as important as children are, as important as women are, the way the enemy loves to disrupt the disposition and trajectory of a society is by doing it by castrating the identity of men. Even in the, even in the Bible, um, the first uh, born was attempted to be destroyed in both uh, the Old Testament and New Testament. Um, whenever God wanted to do something on earth, it's not that women aren't important. You are very, very important, but you function in a different role in a different way. Men were put up and set up, amen somebody, men were set up and put up in a way that is uniquely set up by God, not better than, but different than. Let me say that again, not better than, but 
different than in function. Whenever God wanted to do something in the earth, most of the time he called a man and gave him a vision. And in calling a man, it's nothing like a man with a vision. Uh, it's, it's nothing like a man with a vision. You can be not the best looking man. and have a vision and be fine because you got focus. Amen. Somebody writing it down right now. Some people are. Yeah. So uh, in, 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 in God's mind and in God's disposition, he loves it when a man gets it. Society loves it when a man gets it. And you're not trying to get it just to get in a relationship with a woman, you're getting it because God, whether a woman is in your life or outside of your life, demands that you're focused. And if God gives you an opportunity to be, uh, I, 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 you can't distribute and teach an identity that you haven't embraced yourself. And, and, and in other words, you, you, you should grow up and you should get to a point where you know you're a man and you know what a man looks like and the functionality of what it means to follow the living God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, we come to this passage, and we come <clears throat> to a passage where uh, God's people are being called to grow up and mature and look more like the Lord Jesus Christ. And we, as we come to this passage, we see that Paul is climaxing the book of 1 Corinthians to challenge God's people who are in identity crisis. If you remember from our series on 1 Corinthians, you know that the Corinthians was one of the most innovative societies in relation to science and art and philosophy and all of those different things, but in the midst of all of that technological ingenuity, that ingenuity and development did not help them to know who they were. In other words, we can have more cell phones. We can, you can build the app and sell it for a billion dollars. You can build the best business and be a beast globally and be on the cover of Time magazine and on Essence magazine and on whatever type of magazine that's out there. You can be on Fortune. You can be on the uh, uh, content, uh, 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 cover of Forbes. You can be on the cover of Black Enterprise, Hispanic Enterprise, White Enterprise. But at the end of the day, um, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ and you're strengthened by him and walking with him and ferociously committed to him. Everything that you try to do around you doesn't do anything within you. And so I'm not trying to knock your hustle. I'm not trying to knock your hustle. I'm just trying to knock a hustle that finds its identity in the hustle rather than the holiness of God. And so we come here, which brings me to my first point uh, in acting like men this Father's Day 2016. Biblical manhood at its best illustrates spiritual maturity, okay? Biblical manhood at its best uh, illustrates spiritual maturity. Where am I getting that from? It's interesting that later the text will talk about acting like men. Uh, the interesting layout of this passage is it, to me, is the cousin passage of Proverbs 31, the reason why I call it the cousin or brother passage to the sister passage, Proverbs 31, is because in Proverbs 31, a woman is being displayed as a comprehensive beast for Yahweh. And in her being laid out as a comprehensive beast, 
In Yahweh, it's as if the symphonic philosophies of the figurative speech of the hypocatastasis and the assimilies and metaphors and all of those different eloquent uh, 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 synectitudes that make their way into helping us to recognize and understand the beauty of the art of God, utilizing art in the Bible, he artistically climaxed Proverbs by saying, if you want to be wise, look at a woman who comprehensively loves Yahweh. In, in, other, in other words, womanhood at its best shows you wisdom in man's life or woman's life at its best. Therefore, exegetically and etymologically here in this passage, it takes the idea of manhood and puts it up in the same way that womanhood is put up to exude God's wisdom. The same way the body of Christ is spoken of in the feminine called the body of Christ or the bride of Christ. Uh, even though we know the body of Christ is made up of both men and women, he uses femininity and her glorious powerful submission to, uh, as, as, as a beautiful illustration of what it means to be a Christian. As Proverbs 31 and as the body of Christ is used in the feminine to express uh, ecstatic uh, uh, biblical philosophies, so also in this text does the masculine gender-specific idea of manhood at its best and it points to what spiritual maturity looks like. If you want to see spiritual maturity at its best, look at a man who's a beast. Look at a man who's committed to Jesus. Look at a man who's walking with the Christ. Look at the man that don't let anything in his life get in the way of his commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ and acting foolish, but committing and pursuing him with everything that's in his heart. I know I'm not going to get no amens. It's okay. Um, first point, I'm out your way again. Biblical manhood at its best illustrates spiritual maturity. Look at what he says here. Be watchful. Stop right there. Um, one of the ways in which men are supposed to be is watchful. In other words, being watchful um, points, it assumes that there is a, an attack on something. <laughs> being watchful means watch out. Let, let, me, let me see if I can make it plain. Back when I was in elementary school, uh, um, 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 we, we, you know, elementary school playgrounds are a little bit different than they were in my day. You know, all y'all got is swings and, you know, um, you know what, what else, the, the, little, the little sliding boards and things. See, back in our day, we had monkey bars. <laughs> and uh, you gotta understand, monkey bar, igloo-shaped monkey bars, you know, you st and then, they, then we had the sliding board that's shaped like the, like sort of the, 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 I don't know what kind of triangle it is, but some of my geometry majors gonna tell me, and at the top, you would sit at the top, and the queen or queen would sit at the top, and whoever was sitting at the top, uh, was the king and queen of the playground at that point in time. And so one of the things that would happen on these elementary school playgrounds is there was craziness on the playgrounds. Uh, um, um, as a matter of fact, the teachers used to be at the top smoking cigarettes and talking to each other while the students were all over the playground and doing different things and having a good old-fashioned time doing all kinds of stuff we ain't had no business doing. And, 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 and one of the things that would happen is fights would break out on the playground quite the regular that never, you, you ever want to been, you ever got in a fight and you wanted to be saved from the fight? Yeah. And nobody would save you from the fight? And you would try to say, you better not, so the teacher could hear, but the teacher just couldn't hear you getting your face plummeled, and nobody would stop it at all. Brings back memories. Um, but one of the things that would happen is, is when somebody was after you and you had a friend near you that cared enough about you and somebody was about to knock you out, what would they say? They would say, watch out. In other words, watch out was a warning to make sure that you turn to see what's coming at you so you can defend yourself. 
as a man in this society, you got to wake up. I'm not talking about black consciousness wake up, unredemptive waking up that's still sleep. I'm talking about spiritually waking up by the one who said, awake sleeper and rise from the dead and Christ will shine upon you. That's the waking up I'm talking about where man sees the enemy coming at him this way, seeing wildness coming at him this way, and you're willing to be awakened by the Spirit of God in your life, and you begin to look and see what's coming after you, and you're able to block it because of Christ's strength in your life. Be watchful. Be watchful means, and it continues to say, know what's coming at you. And being watchful also is the point of being able to drive through life, being able to detect what's wrong. And let me see if I can make it plain. Um, when, when, you, when you got a car, when you got a car, um, and you got a good driver, some of us just glad we got a car and we just drive it. Then we just drive sounds, making, you don't even care. You just, as long as I get this time, the point A to point B, all you do is put gas in it. Don't change the oil, you know, don't change the time and bell after 80,000, 120, whatever. I mean, we just drive. But, but, but a good driver always is sensitive to the smells and the sounds of a car. If you smell a brown sugary smell, that means that probably your radiator is leaking and you need to do something about it. That means if you make a right turn and you hear a click, 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 click sound, that means that your axles are probably having issues. Um, if you hear a grinding sound and when you stop, that probably means that you need brake pads and rotors. If you hear the dooga, 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 dooga sound, you ever heard that in the hood? Um, that sound, that means there's a hole in your muffler and the exhaust isn't the only place that air and exhaust is coming out. In other words, when you begin to see those things happening, you don't let them get worse so other things in the car can get worse because the longer you leave those holes and those messes and those leaks alone, it will begin to create deeper problems than if you just dealt with that one thing. When you're a man and you're being watchful, when you hear the clicks and you hear the smells of your life, you begin to awaken and you begin to go to the divine mechanic so that the divine mechanic can do his work in your life to transform you, to change you, and to do everything that he's called you to do in your life. You got to be watchful, men, in your own spiritual life, watching your spiritual soul. The Bible says, know well your flocks and herds. You got to know your family. You got to know your finances. That's why we are doing what we're doing with manhood right now and being a spiritual leader. We had a husky presence of men that were ferociously excited and almost tears in their face yesterday as they began to write out their comprehensive manhood plan. In other words, they begin working through what does it mean to be watchful and functionally make plans for my spiritual life. In other words, a man gets somewhere intentionally, not unintentionally. In, in, other, in other words, you don't wait for life to happen. God has already given you life. He asked you to take hold of life indeed. And so men were working on their personal spiritual lives and developing a vision about that identifying the places of brokenness in their particular lives, and then uh, talking about what does it look like to spiritually lead a wife. And the single men, even though they didn't have a wife, they were there saying, this is what I would like to do in leading a woman, and I'm going to develop the biblical basis for it. When I have children, or if I have children, this is my plan for my child. This is the, how old they are. This is the trajectory. This is the stages of manhood. Let's get him ready or get her ready for rites of passage that lets them know that there's no such thing as adolescence, but there's only boyhood and manhood, nothing in between. What's my trajectory for my career? 
What's my trajectory for getting training? What's my trajectory for godly relationships? What's my trajectory for dealing with my sin? What's my trajectory for my involvement and engagement of the local church? What's my trajectory in engaging in apologetics and contending for the faith and evangelism? Who am I praying for to come to the Lord Jesus Christ? A man in every area of his life has a plan. And in having a plan and working the plan is one of the most powerful ways to walk in being watchful. Walk in being watchful. Next, he doesn't only say, be watchful, but then he says, stand firm in the faith. I I, I like this idea, uh, stand firm, because stand firm points to holding your ground. I, I, I love that right there. In other words, a real man is not easily swayed away from what he should be eternally convinced of. You should have shouted right there. I feel like it. The reason why is, is because there's nothing like a man who's confident in Jesus. Oh, man, help me today, God. In other words, standing firm in this reality of standing firm uh, means to have conviction. That, it means to have conviction and to wrap yourself and build yourself around and planting yourself and being convinced of these things. Um, stand firm means to be unmovable in that particular thing. That's what Christ gives you the ability to do. As a matter of fact, there's so many times in the Bible where God says, stand firm. He says, uh, and Moses said to the people, fear not and stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. In 2 Chronicles 20, verse 17, <coughs> he said, you will not need to fight this battle. Stand firm and hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord. Uh, Psalm tw- uh, uh, 89, 28 says, my, uh, my steadfast love, I will keep you forever and my covenant will stand firm for him. Remember in Isaiah 46, 8, it says, remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind. I can go on and on and on and on about this statement of standing firm. Uh, when on Tuesday, I went on um, my son's uh, a junior high school trip. His whole class went uh, to New York, and so we, uh, went, we went to Central Park, and they had fun in Central Park, and uh, we went around and we went to Times Square. So we're in Times Square, and it's time to go. And so everybody's trying to sell us something, just something. So a guy comes and trying to sell us comedy tickets, which everybody's always trying to do that. I don't even know if them Jones is even real. Um, but standing in the middle of Times Square, and I'm, I got my back turned, and I'm chopping it up with one of the other parents and the kids. My wife behind me, and I hear curse words going her direction. Okay, so you got to know, unredeemed, I'm a fool and I'm crazy. So somebody talking reckless and getting out of pocket with the queen. So, 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 it, like, like, but you got to know, I know, listen, I know I'm saved. Like, like I'm 290 and ain't scared of nothing. I'm telling you, that's my real weight. All right, and I'm just telling you right now, I turned around and the Holy Ghost had to fill me because I was about to cold clock this dude. I know y'all don't remember that. I mean, old school language. I was about to check money's chin, all right? 
Now, as I'm about to check this guy's chin, the Holy Ghost said, nah. I'm like, just let me. He's wide open right now. If I, if, if I just step on his toe, and, and I'm going I'm to I'm put all my power into this punch, and I'm going to lean in it, because he's going to not get back up, and it's going to make world star today, God. Everybody going to say, world star. That's what I wanted. I wanted some, some hits on YouTube, but literally. <laughs> but see, the man of God must not be pugnacious. So God, help me. And it's because my wife said Jesus, and he started going off on her about Jesus being a white man and all that. I said, oh, you're going to go there? I may not be able to hit you with my fist, but I'm about to get at you, homie. I'm about to get at you. And so he started dropping that Kemet crap and that Ma'at and the eye of Osiris all up on his arm and unks and all of that, right? So the Holy Ghost filled me again because I needed a double portion of the filling. <clears throat> and so we started biblically going toe-to-toe -to -toe in the middle of Times Square, and he had a little groupie that was beside him that was talking smack. My kids are watching. My wife's watching. And the kids are ferociously watching me contend for the faith in the middle of Times Square with a cometicist. And as he began to talk, and as we began to talk history, I said, I read Metanetta, I read Stolen Legacy, I read the destruction of black civilization, but let's talk about a proper missiological, uh, get out of the mysticism of history, and now let's get into the, the true claims of biblical history. And we started going, and I was feeling the Lord, the Lord God, and I was like, this is what I need to be doing right now. And then I found out that this guy is one of the top dudes in the black consciousness movement in Brooklyn. And then I began to pray for him. My anger began to subside, and I began to see him as a lost soul, not just someone to do verbal battle with. And my son and I have been having conversations for a week about it. I want my son, my children, my daughter, to remember me not being a punk dude. What do I mean by that? I'm not talking about punk with the hands. When I say punk, I'm not talking homosexual. When I say punk, I mean anything that's substandard of biblical manhood. <laughs> I want my children to have imprinted in their mind that my dad loved Christ. And that no one could get in his grill and he would be fearful to not deliver to them the might and nature of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, I'm not trying to lift myself up because if it was up to me, I'd have knocked them out. But because of the goodness of Jesus, because of his might, because of his glory, because of his majesty, it changes you. Yeah, stand firm in the faith. Those fundamental things that lock us into the faith. That means the substitutionary atonement of Christ. You must be. You must be in on. The Trinity. You must be in on. Tertullian, an African man, gave that to us ancient, long time ago for us to walk in. You must stand firm in the faith. The inerrancy of Scripture. Baptism, not saving but pointing to that Christ, the Old Testament is not about the law. The Old Testament is not about Daniel. 
The Old Testament is not about Moses. Jesus says, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you find eternal life, but they all are talking about me. Stand firm in the faith. That's what God has called us to, men. It's to not be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And if you lose a debating argument, you don't doubt the faith, you doubt your depth of study. And you get your butt in the chamber, and you grow, and you learn, and you develop, and you grow, and you be close to your God and begin closing the gaps in arguments so that you and your heart will not be confounded by the enemy's tactics to give you doctrines of demons that will pull you away from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You stand firm. That's what real men do. You have it within your grasp because of what Christ has done for you. You don't have to fear anybody. The best look, Christianity, let me tell you something, is a good look when it comes to manhood. It's a real good look. And so that's our disposition and that's our desire and that's our commitment. Then he says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith. Then he says, act like men. That, that's, that's a good look right there. That make you want to stick your chest out and walk with Jesus. I, I like here that he tells the body, yes, speak specifically to men with the gender specificity of the word man here to point us to spiritual maturity, but point us to biblical manhood. Act like men is one word translated to us in three words. The euphemism lexically just means be courageous. Just simple. Being courageous, whenever God tells you to be courageous, he's speaking to your fear. Okay, let me see if I can make a plan. Uh, um, um, Whenever somebody is about to get at you and you say, I ain't scared of you, guess what you're telling them? You're scared. (laughs) You're just trying to encourage yourself that the fear doesn't exist. But courage isn't the absence of fear. It's the commitment to not let fear control you. (laughs) So courage is taking your spiritual hands, balling up your fear, and dissolving it with faith. That was good right there. Um, And and, and what you want to begin to do is the fear actually... But courage is helping you to push down the fear so that you can move forward in what God wants you to do. When Moses was coming on the scene, he said, be courageous. When Joshua came on the scene, he said, be strong and courageous. And so this idea of the beauty of biblical masculinity is pointing to the idea of us being and walking in the conception, the conceptual reality that God has given us the ability to, to fear nothing. So it means this. And this is powerful. Acting like a man doesn't mean acting like a thug. (coughs) That's not masculinity. Um, Acting like a man doesn't mean bagging as many chicks as you can. Oh, I know I'm not going to get no help. It's okay. (coughs) That's not manhood. Okay. Uh, um, it, It also means don't act like a mama's boy. My, 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 my. It also means not be a macho dude. I don't care how many muscles you got, how many six-packs you got, 
how much you can make your pectoralises go up and down like that. I don't care how you can work your triceps. I don't care if you get in the strongest man's competition and you squat 3,000 pounds, that doesn't make you a man. I don't care if you're on the line of scrimmage in football and you can knock the refrigerator Perry off into the end zone. That doesn't make you a man. It doesn't. What makes you a man, what makes you who you are by identity is not what you do, but what has been done for you in Christ. Because powerfully enough, the gospel, listen, has given you the identity of newness in every single area of your life. That's why he doesn't tell you try to be a man. He says, act like a man. In other words, manhood already exists in you. The Lord is just waiting for you to submit to him so it can be worked out. <laughs> it reminds me of David in uh, 1 Kings, uh, 2 Kings, actually, chapter 2. He, one of the last things he said to Solomon, he says, show yourself a man. Well, you know what I love about that? Is that he didn't tell him anything to do that as a father he hadn't taught him how to do. See, when I get on my deathbed, I, it, 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 it's, it's crazy. My, my youngest son, um, said, my middle son, not my youngest son, my middle son, uh, said to me something the other day, almost broke me down. He had read Genesis, so he's just in the Bible. He's tripping me out God's grace on him. So he's reading Genesis, and he comes to me, and he says, Daddy, can you bless me? I was like, what you mean, son? I, now, you've got to understand, I didn't know he was like reading Genesis 48, 49, and 50. So he had saw how Jacob, on his deathbed, told his sons to put their hand under his thigh. And he laid his hands on them and blessed each one of them and spoke something into their life. And so he said, Daddy, can you bless me like Jacob did? That was the greatest thing that I've ever experienced. I, I got to tell y'all, I think being a dad is the best thing on the planet. I just, I ain't knocking on, I think being a dad, someone looking at you and finding out through your faults and through your sanctified strengths what it means to look like Jesus and to be able to be there to tell him, I messed that up, son. Can you forgive me? Daddy went a little too hard on you. That beauty in acting like a man isn't being perfect. It's walking in Christ's perfections by having the willingness to repent. Do you know how much, fathers, you speaking healing to your kids? What do I mean by that? You heal your kids by telling them where you're wrong instead of acting like you're not. See, acting like a man is being willing to take responsibility in Christ because Christ has paid for it already so I can admit it. I love pouring into my children. I love spending time with my children. It's not a burden on me to spend time. I love to kiss my daughter. Do you know what we went through to have kids? So what in the world do I look like acting a fool, not loving on and embracing the reality? Listen, men, embrace being a pops. <laughs> Put your phone down. Put your iPad down and look them in the face. Engage them and plan times with them. Where you, and I'm going to encourage, this ain't a beat up session. This is an encouraging session. If you are still alive, and if you are, even if you have distance from your children, those who got baby mama drama, don't let baby mama drama 
get in the way of you not going after your child. Listen, because that child doesn't know anything about the drama. All they know is whether you were present or whether you were not present. And it's not too late. And I want to encourage you, even if that child acts like they don't want you in their life, they're really just trying to see, are you willing to break down the barriers that the failures that you have built up? Are you willing to do what it takes to see redemption to happen in your relationship? So go ferociously after them, even if they're pushing away from you. If you fail, Christ can redeem it. If you messed up, Christ can redeem it. If they've grown up and you haven't been in their life, Christ can redeem it. It is never, ever, ever too late. I'm done. Let all that you do be done in unconditional love. Oh, oh man. It's nothing like being loved and knowing that you're loved and that nothing you do, even if your child rejects the faith for a season, love them. Even if your child admits that they're struggling with transgenderism, and homosexuality, love them. If your child gets someone pregnant out of wedlock or they get pregnant out of wedlock, love them. If your child is an abuser, as bad as that is, find a way to love them. Because all they will remember as a consistent thread in their life is that no matter what they did and how far they went away from the Lord, you may be the voicemail that God uses to bring them back to himself. I'm out of the way. Um, agape love, men, means for us that we love without return. Um, a president of a major university president of a major university, um, was in the height of his career, and his wife was dealing with growing in Alzheimer's. He was in the height of his career and doing extremely well, and he decided, since no one could help her and she was not at ease around anyone else but him, he took his retirement to spend the rest of his life Dressing, undressing, washing, being misunderstood, and watching his wife emotionally and physiologically deteriorate. As she lost memory of him, he still created memories with her. Even though he probably would never have sex with her again, he still saw his commitment before God and his commitment towards her enough to give his life for her. Christ has given his life for those who have no knowledge of him. Christ has given himself up as a sacrifice for us. And in light of that reality, men, we are to reflect Christ's death on the cross for those who would seem to reject it. And so in our lives and in our commitment as loving men, as in loving fathers, I encourage you 
to look at the penal vicarious suffering of Jesus Christ as the mechanism to motivate you to agape, unconditionally loving the people that God has placed in your life. May the Lord himself give you masterful strength to work and see him do and will his good pleasure in you so that as you walk with Jesus, he shows you the beauty of biblical manhood in your life. Father, we thank you and honor you for the greatness of your mercy and the greatness of your love for us. Thank you for your strength. Thank you for your truth that is only found in the Lord Jesus the Christ. It is an honor and a privilege to parent. I heard one older brother in Christ say, you never stop parenting. God, will you encourage dads today? Will you encourage dads to be? Will you encourage them to continue to keep a gap, not between them and their children, but that they would be ferociously after them, just as you are ferociously after us? Maybe you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, God is not your Father. What's crazy about that, though, is he gives you the opportunity for him to be your Father by giving Jesus Christ life as a ransom for you so that his death on the cross, Jesus' death, is currency to God because we are spiritually dead who don't know Christ. All of us were born spiritually dead. And so the only currency that God would effectively and effectually utilize is Christ's death. Christ's death on the cross to take you from spiritual death to spiritual life. His life is shown as acceptable to God because on the third day he got up from the grave with all power in his hands. If you're here today and you want to put your confidence in Christ, stand to your feet. I'd love to pray for you. Anyone want to put their confidence in Jesus Christ? Anyone?